0: What's up? It's episode 82, pain points of wealth, another day, and more of the same issues. Major volatility in the stock markets as interest rates continue to go higher. The Fed continue to tighten monetary policy. In addition to that, supply chain still an issue as China is on some sort of lockdown. In addition to that, we still have war in Eastern Europe. What do you make of everything? More economists every day calling for a recession. Well, we're going to break it down. We're going to give you our view on exactly what's going on right now in the economy, what you should be doing with your investment portfolio. And on the tipping point today, are you a do-it-yourself investor? We're going to talk about the pros and cons of running your money by yourself. Is it a good thing, bad thing? Is it for you? We're going to get into it today. we got a great show.
1: Hit the music. Welcome to the pain points of wealth. The podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth. Giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer. Chris Payne, the millennial. And Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between.
2: Hey, guys, it's been an interesting year so far. Another week, just like the last month. Lots of volatility. On the one hand, we have very strong corporate and household balance sheets. We have a booming labor market, right? We have two job openings for every unemployed person right now. And meanwhile, we have raging inflation, geopolitical risk. And, you know, uh, earnings came in mostly strong, but a lot of it was interpreted negatively. So we have a mixed bag of earnings as well. What's going on here, folks? What's most remarkable about all of it, Bob, is I don't think Chris
0: is losing one second of sleep every night. He just sleeps like a baby all through all this chaos
3: because he's working hard, buddy. Working hard every day. That's right. You know, I just make this look good. I got the weight of the world on my shoulders. I'm the one who's working those 12-hour days. I don't know what you're doing. I'll tell you what, guys. I talked to a client of mine yesterday, and he called me to say that he really wants to think about selling out of the market. And I asked him what he was scared about. He said he's really scared about a recession, but then in the next sentence, he told me that he was closing on his new shore house next week. I said, well, let me get this straight. I said, you're buying a brand new shore house, but you want to sell out of the market because you're scared of a recession. I said, that doesn't sound very recessionary to me.
2: Well, kind of the whole story here, guys. We have this pent up demand of people who have been trying to buy homes. There's been a shortage of homes. Prices are going up and housing is uh, still very, very strong. And there's still a lot of potential buyers out there. People are still trying to buy cars, right? Their vehicles are shortages. Unbelievable. It's legendary. They're out there trying to buy cars. Companies are trying to expand. They can't find the workers. But this pent-up demand is going to continue to keep the pedal to the metal, I believe, uh, to keep this economy growing in spite of this inflation, in spite of all the negativity that's out there right now.
0: Well, it's a good point because when you're going into recession, you're past pent-up demand, right? You have demand actually starting to dial back. And that's been the argument of all these economists is like, well, with inflation so high, the consumer's just about to pull back. Well, I've been waiting for that, guys, and I'm not seeing it. There's no consumer right now that's starting to pull back no matter how high inflation is. And this is more indicative of when you come out of recession as opposed to when you come into a recession because of that pent-up demand. And that's a good point, Bob, because it's kind of like people forget you still have a lot of people that were locked down. Not all of us were locked down for the full two years, but a good portion of not just the U.S. population, but the global population is really just coming out of this like true lockdown that we've seen
2: over 24 months. Well, that's the thing. And it's a lot of uncertainty. But if you're waiting for certainty, if you're waiting for the all coast is clear signal, that never comes. Usually when you feel that all the negatives are unknown, all the unknowns are known, generally the market's at an all-time record high. So it's imperative that you keep your emotions in check, that you stick to your strategy, because basically with the stock market down and the bond market down, investments are more attractive than they've been in the last four months. Well, Dad, to
3: your point about sticking to the strategy, one of the things that I've noticed going through performance reports for a lot of our clients is that the income, the interest and dividends that is, is, being generated in the portfolios is actually starting to go up, which is very shocking to most people.
0: No, it's a good point because you know with interest rates going up, you see your bond portfolio go down. If you own bond funds, we've warned you about them; they're getting hammered right now. But now, when you put new money into the bond market, you're getting the best yields we've seen in like three years. You know, like you look at a ten-year tax-free bond right now it pays three percent. That's the equivalent of almost getting 5% on a taxable bond, right? With like very little risk. It's a single A rate of bond. So I think that is important right now to your point, Chris, is like the income is repriced. It's gone higher. And with all this inflation, you need income. You need your portfolio producing. And we know cash doesn't do that. So sticking your head in the sand and sitting in so much cash right now is like the worst strategy. Well, you know what, Rife? if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like cash isn't king, but
2: cash flow is king. Wow. Witty, Chris. Very profound. But you know, guys, I got a shock announcement. I'm no longer anti-bond funds. I'm shocked. And I don't believe it, Bob. Why are you anti-bond funds now? Well, because everyone who's been invested in has been listening to us and they've sold aggressively, like $40 billion worth over the last couple of weeks, creating opportunities for us who buy individual bonds. I mean, I love it. We're able to buy bonds at a better yield right now at a better price. Yay. Look, the bonds that we've bought over the last two years are down right now, but we're doing bond swaps to create that Loss bank, you know, that uh, where you can take those losses against future gains. Because here's the issue when you look at your equity portfolio, we don't have any losses. There's no losses to take. We have millions of dollars of unrealized capital gains, which we may take someday. Who wants to pay taxes on gains? Here, now's the time to act. Now's the time to be proactive in your portfolio. Take advantage of these people panicking out of their bond funds. I love these people now. Hopefully, they got smart and invest like we do. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, it is remarkable right now because we've talked about the economy, we've talked about wages going up, we've talked about the pent up demand. And we know we're getting this big sell-off for all this volatility in the market. And if you look at investor sentiment right now, which is a counter-indicator, right? When people are really negative, that's a good sign, means markets are a good buy. When people get really, really optimistic, that's a bad sign, means we're probably close to a top. And if you look at sentiment right now, it's as negative as it was back during the financial crisis in 2008, 2009. So you have extreme negativity right now. Yet, we have an economy, again, that's relatively strong. You've got to exploit
2: this opportunity right now. It's not going to last forever. You know, it's interesting. Over the last two years, I've seen Berkshire Hathaway, you know, primarily Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, say, you know, there's not too much to invest here. You know, we have a lot of cash. We have nowhere to put it. You know, over the last quarter, they actually invested 40 billion of their cash into stocks, right? They're buying stocks while the market's down. Now, I saw an article in the Journal the other day, and they were saying, well, they're not very good at timing the market. Yeah, they're not really good at time. They're only the wealthiest guys on the planet, best investors ever. That's the thing. You don't time the market. You buy value when it appears. And you make the most money in your portfolio in down markets. It sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it, guys? Well, I'll tell you what's even more
0: counterintuitive is I noticed they're not buying Teladoc. They're not buying Peloton. <laughs> they're not buying Bitcoin. As we know, Charlie Munger really despises Bitcoin. They're buying those old school companies. They must be listening to our podcast. I mean, they're buying oil stocks. You know, they're buying more financial stocks. They're buying all the stocks that do well in a higher inflationary environment. And that's it. It's that paradigm shift that we've gone through here. So you've got the smartest investors of our generation. They're buying right now. They're buying companies that have pricing power. They're taking advantage of the volatility. It goes back to the old Warren Buffett adage, be greedy when others are fearful.
2: And also, you want to invest when there's blood in the streets, right? And Actually, a lot of you think there's blood in the streets right now. But there is if you're invested in the ARC funds down 65% from their highs. But you're having what we call a garden variety correction right usually a 10 to 20 percent correction driven by sentiment driven by emotions driven by headlines and god forbid if the headlines can get any worse right now the media wouldn't know what to do with themselves so you got to be smart about recognize we're in a big booming bull market we're in a secular bull market and they have corrections corrections are time of opportunity not a time to panic
0: hey hope you're enjoying episode 82 pain points of wealth If you like our content, you love our content, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment, anything you want us to talk about. If you're on Spotify, you can click the subscribe button. And if it's on YouTube right now, please click the like, click the subscribe, click that notification bell so you can be updated every single week of all our new content. Your support gives us the ability to continue to do this podcast. We appreciate your support. We have over 80,000 downloads, but please give us a like, give us some love, spread the good word of pain points of wealth. All right. It's the tipping point. This is where we pinpoint the pain point, P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. We have a very special guest on our show today, my colleague, Chris and Bob's colleague, financial advisor at Payne Capital Management, Ms. Francesca, quote unquote, Frankie Lagrateria, quote unquote, Frankie. Thanks for being on the uh, podcast today. And, you know, you and I have been talking, we were talking about the difference between do-it-yourself investors and when people decide, like, oh, I want to get a financial professional. So then we could talk a little bit about, like, the pros and cons of running money on your own. And does it make sense to make that transition from being a do-it-yourself investor to working with a financial professional?
4: Yeah. Well, hello. Thank you for having me. Hello, Paynes.
2: <laughs> hello, Frankie. Hey, Frank.
4: Always a pleasure. And yes, I was just talking to Ryan about this. I call it the self-employed investor. Versus working with a financial advisor. So you know there are definitely some benefits to both, but there are more importantly some really heavy risks, especially with the self-employed investor.
2: Yeah, it's kind of like brain surgery, right? I can do it myself, but it might be a better idea. It depends on somebody who went to medical school and has done more than one operation. Same thing applies to plumbing, I guess, right? So in a lot of cases, you don't know what you don't know when you're a do-it-yourself investor or what you call Frankie a self-employed investor. Well, first off, Bob, I don't think our listeners know that you do have exceptional
0: plumbing skills. You did spend quite a few summers on a uh, plumbing truck because our grandfather was a plumber. So I think it's important to know that you could probably do the work.
4: Bob, is that why you never wear a belt? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not think you ever noticed.
4: They never do. <laughs> well,
3: you know, one of the things I find when you do things yourself is that you start to live in a little bit of an echo chamber. It's kind of like, you know, when you watch the news, you always watch things that resonate with your own beliefs, whereas having an advisor you know, it's always good to have that third party, you know, someone to bounce those ideas off of to say, hey, do you think this is a good idea or not? Because when you you start to believe in your own BS, you know, that's when you really get into trouble.
4: And it's not just believing in your own BS, Chris, it's actually how technology works these days, you're going to be given, it's called cookies, right? You're going to be given ads, and you're going to be given articles, and you're going to be pushed things on the internet that you subscribe to and that you like. So you're not really always getting an opposing opinion. A great example of this was, my mom just got me this really adorable tie-dye jumpsuit. And then she's been seeing it all over the internet and she thinks she's a fashionista. She's like, I picked this outfit out for you. Now it's all over the internet. And I was like, mom, that's cookies. You clicked on tie-dye. Now you get tie-dye. And it's the same thing with your beliefs. You know, you click on something about Bitcoin, you're going to get immersed with Bitcoin. You know, you click on gold, you're going to get gold.
2: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I've been through so many cycles where, Investors become enamored with what goes up the most. And if, you know, for example, if you were just overweight, large cap growth and technology in the last 13 years, you outperformed everything. But the previous 10 years, you didn't make any money. So it's almost as if, well, why do I need to talk to you, Frankie, when I'm doing so well on my own? I'm so smart. You know, I put all my money in the Arc Fund. It was up 189% one year. Now I'm down 70% since then, but, you know, it'll come back. You know, I'm a believer now. And that's the problem, right? You don't know when. To cut your losses, you don't know when to diversify, and you don't recognize that there's opportunity in investments that are down, not up. And that's
4: my favorite Bobism: is don't confuse brains with a bull market.
0: <laughs> no, that's really true, and I think that's the problem. Is you can be right for nine years, and that tenth year, if the market goes against you, it can literally wipe out all of the advantage or the gain that you had. Like, and I think Bob, we talk about this Ark Fund a lot. That's a perfect example. Like the outperformance was so great. But as soon as that fund cratered, all of a sudden your performance is less than the market. (laughs) So, you know, it's just amazing how quickly the tide can turn. And when you believe your own BS, and a lot of times this happens, you guys are saying with this echo chamber with investing, like eventually it's gonna get you. And there's gonna be no forewarning when it actually happens.
2: Well, you take the 90s cycle, the 90 bull market, 1990s, the biggest, most owned stocks were General Electric, GE, right? A blue chip stock was in the Dow for many, many years. And Cisco, right, the company that makes routers. And if you look at those stocks today, right, now the market just hit 37,000 in January. Both of those stocks aren't anywhere near the highs that they created back in 2000. You can't even break even after all those years.
4: Well, what about wipe out with yourself, right? Not just with the market. What happens if something happens to you? You know, where does that leave your family?
2: That's a great point, Frank. in every joint account relationship we've ever worked with, there's always been one decision maker. It doesn't matter. The other spouse is either uninterested, unskilled, or just wants to focus on having fun, right? The stuff is boring. And what happens to the family when the decision maker is no longer there to remember why they owned what they own and why they bought it?
4: And sometimes too, you know, I get, you know, my favorite thing is when you're, you're going through these, you're going through the proposal, you're asking them to say, hey, send me over your statements. And you know what they send you is that Excel spreadsheet that is like, the tangible uh, event of someone's brain. (laughs) And as a financial advisor, it takes me sometimes hours and hours to sit there and decode it. But for someone who hasn't been involved in this, a family member who doesn't care, who's out having fun, doing the fun chores, you're going to need a decoder pin.
0: Well, that's right. And I mean, we've had this happen before. I remember we had one client where unfortunately the husband, he was the one ran the show on the finances, had the proverbial spreadsheet, like you said, Frank, and loved individual stocks. And he became incapacitated and his wife had no interest. And we literally, you know, had to go through like shoeboxes in the closet to find like hidden insurance policies, you know, that were just like spread around the house. So it is, it's like a little bit selfish, right? Not to actually put everything in one place and have a smooth transition for the uninterested spouse. If you're the one who likes to control the finances and everything and not having that plan B if something happens to you.
4: And I think people think it's an all or nothing situation. You know, you either give all up the control or you hold on to all the control. When it doesn't need to be that way, you know, especially with me and my clients, it's very much a relationship. You know, I have to talk to them before I do anything. We discuss their planning. We create these plans together. It's based on them. It's not based on me and my needs. So I think people get a little nervous and they don't want to give up that control. They don't want to give up that spreadsheet. But that's fine. You can have the best of both worlds where you're working with someone who at least understands a method to your madness, right? Right.
3: Well, Frank, you made a really good point there. You had mentioned, you said it's not about your needs, it's about the client's needs. And, you know, this whole thing's about the difference of doing it yourself versus having an advisor. You know, one of the benefits that you are really good at, Frank, is when you sit down and you talk to the clients, you establish what their needs are and you help them to create those goals. So it's kind of like when you're doing it yourself, you're not always thinking about those goals. You're thinking about stuff in the near term. You know, you do such a great job of helping people think about the future and reminding them of what we're doing this for.
4: Oh, absolutely. It's the same, you know, I always bring it back to working out because that's, you know, a passion project of me. It's the same as working out, right? You know, I can sit there and say, you know, I want thinner arms, but it's not about that. It's about doing a, staying consistent, working out, going out when you don't want to, eating right, doing cardio, and all of that, you know, nonsense. And that's something that I delegate to Victoria, my trainer.
0: Yeah, your accountability partner, right? It's like everyone can use a wing woman or wing man. And I think that's what it comes down to is you don't know what you don't know. And, you know, same thing. I'm with you, Frank. I use a trainer, I've been using the same trainer for years. And we've adjusted my workouts over the last decade because I'm becoming an older man. <laughs> you know, like I can't just do the bench presses like I used to. And it doesn't make sense. I'm working on like core strength for my back because your life's going to continue to change. This is more than people really want to know about my physical regimen. But, you know, the point is, it's like he's someone who's always up to date on newer, different ways of doing things. And that's like, that's what we do. We think about this stuff all the time. We can fill in those blind spots that you're going to invariably have is one, you know, no man or woman's an island, I guess is the way to say it. You
2: know, guys, I've lived through a lot of corrections, a lot of bear markets, and everybody's an average, normal human being. We're subject to our emotions. And, you know, a lot of you get through bear markets by not opening your statement. Now, if you're a do-it-yourself investor and you're not looking at your statements, guess what? You're missing out on opportunities. That's why you need someone who's, Unemotional, who looks at your portfolio with a cold eye and sees the opportunities. You know, as a fiduciary, we have to invest your money as if it's our own. And the last thing we're gonna do is turn our machines off or stop looking at your portfolio. And if you have a decent portfolio, you're getting cash flow that has to be reinvested. All of our big gains come investing in down markets, right? We make all of our money in bear markets, which sounds so counterintuitive, but if you think about it, it makes so much common sense.
0: Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 82, Pain Points of Wealth. This is what Bob, Chris, and Frankie Laguteria is what we do every single day. We help individuals just like you with your planning and investing. Like This is all we think about. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially, literally, at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach, and you've saved over a million dollars with your financial independence plan, Bob, Chris, Frankie, and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no cost to do it. Literally, there's no other firm that will do this work up front. We go through every single holding that you have. In fact, we'll build you your own personalized financial portal and we'll hone in on every financial issue you need to address today. Whether it's diversification, whether it's the fees you're paying on your investment. Wall Street loves to charge you high fees on the investments that they sell. We'll show you where all those hidden costs are. We'll show you how to optimize your portfolio for taxes and we'll show you how to save optimally to make sure that you're on track to be financially free and we'll look at income. You know, income so critical to be financially independent. We'll put together a full income plan, how to draw from your portfolios, build that perfect plan. We literally do 10 of these every week. If you qualify, if you have a million dollars saved for retirement, simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan. That's www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right. It's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, Bob, the US dollar has been a reserve currency for about 100 years. Before that, it was the British pound. If you look at the amount of debt the US owes to foreigners, US have net liabilities to foreigners are around $16 trillion, a sum of around 70% of US gross domestic product. Historically, above 50% has been a sign of trouble for the country's currency. Is the US dollar here getting a little stretched, Bob?
2: You know, Ryle, you would think so, but the rest of the world's not getting the message because they're also leveraging their balance sheet and borrowing a large percentage of their GDP. And where else do you go when there's uncertainty than the most safe place on the planet, the good old U.S. of A? I guess it's not Bitcoin yet, but you just wait,
0: Bob. You just wait. Chris, flexibility has become the top worker demand. In the U.S., two in five U.S. workers desire control over their own schedules Nearly half would be willing to accept a 5% pay cut or more to get more flexibility. It sounds like you know having people come to the office every day is probably not a good idea if you're an employer.
3: Well, you know, Ra, I've been uh, looking for a lot of jobs lately because I really can't stand your in-office policies of paying capital
0: management. <laughs> Frankie told me she prefers to be in the office every day because it's just so awesome.
4: That is a bold-faced lie. This is slander on this, on this website, on this podcast.
0: Because <laughs> it's so awesome to work next to me is what I wanted to say. I think it was actually Hank the dog who said that. (laughs) We did have Frankie's dog in the office the other day.
4: And Hank slept so hard the next two days, he was exhausted. He was like, how did I do this every day?
0: (laughs) Hardest working man at Payne Capital.
4: Best advisor, too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Frankie. Apple marched into 2022 as the first company to reach a $3 trillion market value, making its market cap larger than all countries except for the US, China, Japan, and Germany. Therefore, Apple alone, if it were a country... It would be wealthier than all the major powers, such as the UK, France, and India.
4: I mean, I believe it. I mean, you can't get an iPhone for less than $1,000 and team Apple.
3: (laughs) You know, they might have the most powerful company in the world because they have the ability to shut down your Instagram.
0: That's true. That's true. And actually, that is a big news is Chris actually got an iPhone. I've still held out. I still have my Samsung phone. But after, I don't know, how many decades, Chris, you now have an iPhone. You sold out. You joined the evil empire.
4: Welcome to the family, Chris.
0: Well, it's been a while, ride, but you know, I got to say, I do miss that pull start on my old Android. <laughs> It'll be missed. Bob, serious financial news here. Mariah Carey insured her legs and vocal cords for $35 million each, totaling $70 million altogether. Should we insure your hair? That's what we want to know.
2: I don't think so. And I think uh, I would love to know what the premiums you had to pay on those policies. It was probably a pretty penny. My guess is uh, Warren Buffett's a pretty smart guy for being in the insurance business.
3: Well, this is a great example of inflation because back in the 40s, Betty Grable insured her legs for a million dollars. So now here we are almost 75 years later and uh, Mariah Carey's insuring hers
0: for 35 million. So
3: inflation exists, everybody.
0: Yeah. On body parts. I'd insure Bob's hair for at least 100 million given the popularity of our podcast now. Right? Well, I don't think there's an insurance company out there with the liquidity to be able to handle that. <laughs> well, another great show, Frank. Thanks for uh, joining the uh, Pain Points of Wealth podcast today. It was great having you.
4: Cool. Thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: If you like our podcast, love our podcast, please give us a like. Give us some love. Five-star ratings on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you want us to talk about. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can subscribe. And, of course, on YouTube, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Click that notification bell. You can be updated every single week. We appreciate your support. As always,
1: stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Pain Capital Management at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Pain Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.